Some of y'all smiling right now, some of y'all look very confused. (laughs) Welcome to my church, where uh, I still am shocked they let me be the pastor because of things like that. So welcome this morning. We are uh, finishing up uh, next week the uh, series we're in, where we are taking uh, common day things of our culture, uh, i.e. movies, and finding ways to pull uh, anything worthy from them. And ultimately, just uh, dive into God's Word and, and really just do basically Bible studies off of some crazy jacked up movies like that. So how many of you guys have seen that movie before? And all the guys rose their hands. Yes, I hear you, fellas. I see, uh, last hour I asked that, there was about three ladies that saw the movie. Uh, I don't really know if it was geared towards guys, but it's kind of one of those like chicken wing type uh, where you eat that and, and watch the movie and then you walk away and go, what did we just see? Anything out of that that you can remember? No, but uh, anyways, so uh, glad you're here this morning. Well, I thought the way we'd start things out this morning would be just to come right over here on the left and ask everyone over here, and we'll just start over here and go this direction, what was the most stupid thing you guys have ever done? And just, just, we'll just, that, that'll be the whole message today, right? We'll just start over here, and we'll just go this way, and everyone just tell me all the dumbest things you guys have done before, but then I thought that would probably be a bad idea. Um, how many of you guys have done something stupid? Yes. How many of you guys look back and you can think through uh, dating relationships you wish you'd not had, places you went that you'd wish you'd not been, money that you spent that you wish you'd not spent, deals that you made that you wish you'd not made, opportunities that you took that you wish you'd not taken, jobs you took that you wish you'd not taken, and a whole host of other things. I mean, all of us. I mean, myself included, I'm going to share one of my most embarrassing, stupid things that I've ever done before, at least financially. I've got them all across the board, but I share one financially that I made several years back that, I'm, that I've never shared to the church before, but I'm pretty embarrassed about that. I'm like, all right, who cares? I'm going to share it with you. So, but all of us have done some really stupid stuff. And for all of us that have done some stupid things, all of us are now, you know, a little bit smarter because of it. We, we have like minds and hearts that have experienced some of those losses we can look back now and we see other people going through those experiences and on the cusp of making some of those decisions and we want to just, we want to stop them, right? We want to say, don't marry that guy. And we would hear things like, you know, like what we used to say, but I love him. I didn't say that. But I love her. But you don't know how much I love him in which we would say, so what? But, I, but you don't know I love him. Who cares? Who cares? Don't marry that guy. Don't marry that girl. Don't go that direction. And so all of us have been in those shoes before, both where we've made some really bad, treacherous decisions that ended up taking us places we didn't want to go, where we never thought we'd end up. But all of us have made decisions where we could look back and we'd say, I wish, I wish I knew now what I, what I didn't know then to help me navigate through some of life's you know, decisionary type things. And so we're going to dive into today uh, a question, one simple question that we're going to pull out of Scripture. Several years back, I read one of my favorite authors is Andy Stanley. Um, He wrote a book called The Best Question Ever Asked. That's the title of the book because it pulls from Ephesians chapter 5 an amazing grid, an amazing question that helps us have a grid to really make wise decisions. Because all of our lives are made up of ultimately decisions that we've made. 
Many of us are here today in places we did not want to be or places we never thought we would be based on decisions that we made in life. And so I want you to, I want you to dive in with me this morning in Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look at this passage. We're going to look at this passage together. Just do a, a mini Bible study in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, if you've got your Bible. If not, we'll throw it up on screens. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna walk through this passage, and I'm going to give you what I learned years ago, this question, a question that I feel like if you and I adopt this question into our everyday thinking, into our everyday decisions, I promise you, it has the capacity to foolproof, foolproof your life. Marriages, finances, all the other dumb things that we've done, it literally has the opportunity to foolproof your lives. So, Ephesians chapter 5, that was really loud. How did I do that? I want to I do that again. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, Paul... The apostle, apostle is, is writing to the church of Ephesus. Um, a group of new believers in the city of Ephesus uh, in a culture that is very, very jacked up, a very, very pagan culture, so much so that even in their temple worship, they're practicing all sorts of sideways, weird sexual practices that are part of their religious culture. So Paul, in the early part of Ephesians 5, he's just giving these guys straight up moral, moral, moral standards here. All right, guys, this one, no, that's, that's one you don't want to do. Clear cut, don't do that. That's going to rob you of, of everything. Don't go, don't go that direction. And so he gives them a list of do's and don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do this. This is positive. This is clearly a moral issue. This one's clearly right. This one's clearly wrong. And we, we understand from Paul's early part of Ephesians, about Ephesians chapter 5 what is clearly right and wrong. But for most of us, that's not where our struggle lies. Most of us aren't making wrong decisions because we're uninformed of what's right and wrong. Let's just be honest. Most of us already know what's right. Most of us already know what's wrong. So Paul goes to a whole nother level. He gives something that's never been given before up to this point in Scripture and calls it something unique. And he gives the greatest question that we could ever ask when it comes to making sound, solid decisions that would ultimately guide us in the way that we would want us to go, in the way that God would want us to go. So here we go. Paul's right into the early Christians in this really pagan culture, worse than you could say even our culture is today, all right, in Ephesus. Here we go. Paul speaks in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, right out of the gate. I've given you the list of do's and don'ts. Now I want to tell you this. I want you to be very careful. He uses his words uh, choicely here. Be very careful then how you live. And he says all that because he knows some, he knows some of us, we don't walk through life being careful. We aren't walking through life um, Looking forward and being cautious about where we're going, we're not necessarily thinking about uh, in, in, in every given moment where this decision could lead me. So Paul just kind of, he puts up, he puts up just like a yield sign, a, a stop sign. He says, Let, let's just slow down a moment. You know, a lot of things you clearly know right from wrong, but I want you to process something. I want you to think about being careful, being cautious. Because making wrong decisions can jack you up. Making, making un, 
wise decisions can, can put you in a real mess. So I want you to be careful. Now, there's two types of people that make wrong decisions. I've been both. There are times that I've been careless where I just kind of wasn't paying attention and made a dumb decision. I was careless. And then there's been times I wanted something so bad that my wanter got triggered. You guys know what your wanter is? You know what your wanter is, right? There's something. Usually for me, it's like something that goes fast, something that goes off-road, something that's dangerous. I want it. And the more I think about it, the more I think about me wanting it and process that, then all of a sudden my wanter kicks in and I go from care less to I could care less. I could care less what anybody else says. So what I normally do, I don't ask anybody else because I don't want to convince me that I'm wrong so I can just be care less and do what I want to do without anybody telling me. And so Paul talks about us being careful. He says, be very, very careful then how you live, not as unwise, and here's a whole other word, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but what? But wise. Now, this is a whole new paradigm shift. Paul just, Paul's working off the Old Testament where Moses came down off the mountain and said, hey, these things, don't do these things, thou shalt nots, right? That was from the beginning of humanity of where we got the law, Right? Our laws today began back when Moses came off a mountain and said, this is harmful. Don't do this. God knew the mind of humans. He created them, gave us a, a good solid list from work to work from. Paul's, Paul's looking back and saying, there are some things we clearly know that are right and wrong. But I want to go to a whole other level here. Because not everything is a moral issue. Not everything is a clearly defined right and wrong. So I want to give you a whole new word here. I want to give you a whole new grid. I don't want you to think just any random thought. I want you to think carefully, and I want you to consider making wise decisions. Because here's the temptation. The temptation is, rather than asking the best question, which is, what's the wise thing to do? That's the best question ever. Rather than asking that question, what we do is we ask the question, how close can I get to sin, or how close can I get, can I get without making a mistake? Which that's the worst question in the world to ask, right? How many of you guys have done that before and it failed you? <laughs> I've done that way too many times. Most of, us, most of us are looking for the clearly defined moral right and wrong. But that's not always the best. Most of us are tempted to walk as close as we can and say, listen, if you can't produce a verse that says it's wrong, then it must be right. Wrong. Paul just threw that, Paul just threw that argument out. Paul just said, no, no, no. We got clear, clearly defined right and wrongs, but what about all the other areas that the Bible doesn't necessarily bring up? What do you do about all those? And see, for most of the time I get, as a pastor, I get all those questions of, Pastor, my, my, my friend and I are, you know, I've got this question, and I just want to know, is there a verse against it? And that's the worst question in the world you could ever ask. Paul says there's a better question. What's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? And for most of us, in most scenarios, we want to get as close as we can 
and be able to say, I've not done wrong, but, but has it been wise for you? Has it been the wise choice for you? Is it the, is it the wisest thing for you could, to do? So I want to give you, I want to think about this question in three different levels today. Three different ways to, to view this question and apply it in your life in three different areas. First is this, write this down. In light of my past, in light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? That's one way to look at this. In evaluating you, and evaluating what you know about yourself, evaluating, you know, what things you've done before and what you know about yourself, in light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? Um, I, I remember just probably, uh, I don't know, several months back, maybe even a year ago, had a, had a friend of mine come and say, hey, I'm getting ready to get married. Um, love this girl, and I know this, this couple, wonderful couple. I would have just stamped my approval on, approval on them right away and just, you know, done the wedding. But I knew, but I knew they had both had um, past marriages. And so I remember my buddy coming up, come up and saying, hey, man, I'm really ready to get married. And I, and I, knew, this, I, I knew the question was coming. Uh, I could just tell. And so I'd already been processing, okay, I know because he's my friend that it's going to be the temptation for me not to follow like the church, you know, little standard we set up that, that whatever, whoever gets married, if we're going to marry him in the church, um, any one of our pastors, we're going to ask them to, to do premarital counseling. They'll go get counseling through whoever they choose or Kimberly Bishop, who's in our office, who does a phenomenal job. So I remember saying this, and I could just see this guy's face like just, are you serious, man? I was like ready to like have you like next Friday just work. You know, we've been, we've been dating for forever. I've been married before. Come on. I'm not like a spring 17-year-old or 22-year-old chicken any longer. Man, I've, I've learned and I've grown and I've experienced and, I've, and, I, and I knew this guy, he was ready. I mean, there was no issue, no problem. But, but something in me realized when it comes to us just our past experiences, what's, we have to ask this question, what's the wise thing to do? So I, I kind of stuck to my guns, and I felt bad about pushing the whole premarital, premarital counseling, but, but I was happy I did it. And even though there was a little bit of tension in our relationship, I could tell he was like, dude, you just, you just messed me up here. Like I was, I was so ready, I could taste that you were going to say, yes, I have the date open, you get married next Friday, whatever, whatever. And I could just tell this, this guy walked away kind of sad, kind of blue. A few weeks went by month went by. We hadn't talked a whole lot. Found out that he got plugged into counseling and it was going great. Now, fast forward, they've been married. I did the wedding. It was awesome. Fast, fast forward several months now, they're still going to counseling. The other day they pulled up and they were saying, dude, it has been so healthy and so good for us. You know, most of us, we, we, we don't have marriage problems. You know what a marriage problem is? We don't, most of us, if you're married, let me qualify that. <laughs> if you're married, you don't really have married person problems. It's not marriage problems. You know what marriage problems are? Marriage problems are, okay, two people get married, live in one house, one tube of toothpaste, you buy two. Marriage problems solved. That's it. That's marriage problems solved. What you have is you problems. <laughs> your problems bumped up to her problems, your problems bumped up to her, and you got, you got two you problems now. That's all you got. You and I don't have marriage problems. You have you problems. And so, I remember just hearing them say how valuable it was. And here's the deal. In light of, here's how we have to use this first. In light of my past experiences, 
Been here, done that before. I know me. Or somebody else knows me and can help me. But in a lot of your past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? Is premarital counseling in the Bible? Anybody ever looked? Is, is, it, is it a moral issue for someone not to get premarital counseling? No. Come on, y'all help me out here. It is not wrong to get married without premarital counseling. It's not in the Bible. It's, it's not clearly defined. It's one of those things Paul had not talked about. No, there, there's, it's not in the Scripture that says that. But is going to premarital counseling probably the wise thing to do? Especially, perhaps, in some of our past experiences. Here's another one. In light of my current circumstances, my current circumstances, where I am today, maybe my age, maybe my income bracket, maybe, maybe my marital bracket, what's the wise thing to do? In my current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? Let's just talk, let's just talk teenagers for a moment. We just had student camp, got all my students over here on this side. I get asked this question all the time, how far is too far? In the whole sexual arena of things, if you didn't know where I was going in that, all right, I was, you guys are like, what's he talking about? All right, what's the, what's, how far is too far? Anybody ever asked that before? Anybody ever thought that before? You were all liars. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Every person in here just lied. You didn't raise, I, I'm not raising my hand. All right, you, inside you raised your hand. You, you knew it. But I get asked that question all the time by students. I'll have a 17-year-old kid come up and say, hey, Pastor, I know in the Bible it says we shouldn't have sex. But how far can I go without sinning? Is that, not, is, that not, is that not how this works? I just want to know because, well, I don't want to do wrong. <laughs> I don't want to do wrong. But how far can I go before it's a mistake? How far can I go, and, and they don't even know how to ask it like this, how far can I go before I'm sucked in so far and I can't get out? And I always answer that's this way. How far is too far? And they always want me to give them verse, and I'll say, I don't have verse. I, I, I have one for, like, don't have sex before you get married. But I don't have a verse for how far, get, you, how far is too far. And they're like, oh, good, that's great. No, no, no. And I'll say, but here, here. <laughs> and they want to run off. But, here, but here's the thing. But how far is too far? And I always say this. As far as you're willing to share with your kids someday how far you went, that's how far. That, that one usually doesn't register all too well, but I, I got this. How far is too far? As far as you want her to go. The girl you're going to marry someday, that's how far. Or, or as far as you want to be able to have to tell her in the relationship that you went, that's how far. They're like, oh, I don't want to know that. I want to know what the Bible says. I want the verse about where is it wrong and, but that's not, that's not the point. Paul says, what's the wise thing to do? In light of your current circumstances, in light of the fact that 50% of marriage is in divorce, in light of the fact that maybe, maybe we just don't realize that if we travel that road much further, we may get stuck in a relationship and cause ourselves all sorts of pain and struggle and hurt that you don't know about yet because we haven't gone there. And that, that's why many of us are, are, you hear this message, you're like, gosh, this is, this is a hard pill to swallow this morning. Why? Because we've been there, done that. We've been there. And we wish right now that those people who are 
in the decision-making process of ones that we made, we wish they'd listen to us. Maybe in the very better way that we didn't listen to somebody when they tried to tell us. See, here's, here's the thing. When it comes to what Paul's talking about here, making this, this, these decisions, what always fleshes up is this pride thing that I know best. I, 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 got, I got this. God gave me a brain. But here's the deal. We forget when that wander's turned on and the enemy is, is slowly, subtly, you know, weighing in like, hey, God, God wants the best for you, right? There's that verse, right? I think the enemy even quotes those scripture verses sometimes to his advantage. To just lead us down a road to the edge, to the ledge, where maybe it's not a moral issue, but at some point as you start to detour, maybe you got too far. Paul goes on to say, not as wise but unwise, or as unwise but wise, and he says, in making the most of every opportunity, why? Because the days are evil. See, we're not just up against ourselves. Really not. There really is an adversary who knows your phone number. He knows exactly what makes you tick, and he will do everything possible to cause you to get off course, to cause you a life that you did not want. Okay, I should step before I fall. And then we will do that to us. So make, make, make the most of every opportunity. Paul ends this verse like this. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So in light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? Here's the last one. In light of my future hopes and dreams, in light of where I want to go, in light of maybe God made me and so wired me to do this certain thing so well, I'm good at doing this. Some of you guys are just phenomenal at like just specific things. You just know that this is my gift. This is my passion. And over time, I think that's all of us, all of our opportunity to figure out how God's wired us. But in light of how God made you, in light of your future, in light of where you want to go, what's the wise thing to do? I remember, uh, it seems just like yesterday, but several years back, my wife and I, we, we were saving for all sorts of things, and we had our budget set up, and we were putting away money over here, and saving money for this, and I remember my wanter had been on for quite a while, and I wanted something really, really bad. And this had been going on for a long, long time where, where when we had started churches back in Atlanta, and we'd, I'd sold four-wheelers, and we're trying to, you know, put all our, get all our finances together and know that our salary was going to, we didn't know if we were going to have a salary or not. Around 2007, um, I realized, okay, I'd saved a bit of, a money, bit of money up. And maybe I could go ahead and purchase, uh, and I just got to give a little caveat here. I mean, I, this is one of the things that you can talk yourself into anything, right? We had kids, and I'm thinking, baby, this is, this is something to really provide for our family, right? What I wanted was, because I'm an adventurous guy, I love to go fast, love to have lots of fun. I really was dying because of my four-wheeler days. I sold all those off. I wanted to get a Polaris side-by-side, okay? But you know, know what that is? A Polaris Razor, right? Not the, not the Polaris that's like the Ranger, kind of like old man with the bed in the back. I wanted the, the fast racing kind. I want to go fast. 
and, and so does my kids, and, and, and it just would, it would help, it would enhance everything, right? Well, I remember, I, 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 I love to hunt, so my wife's like, you'll hunt anything. So I, I was like so focused, like I'm ADD, but when I'm hunting, I'm like laser-like. So I was just hunting, 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 the best deal in the world on a player's razor. And so I'd saved up 2,500 bucks, and I found this one online that was going to be $5,000, which was like three or $4,000 less than what it should be. But somehow I was convinced that it was real, that it was a really good buy. And this was back in the day when Craigslist had, you know, a few years of Craigslist, and I had, I had I'd become like the Craigslist king. But in Atlanta, I was buying cars, selling cars, and I was, you know, having fun doing that when I got bored. And, and I remember saving up 2,500 bucks, finding this deal, talking to the guy on the phone, and uh, being very convinced after lots of photos and lots of conversations that I'm going to purchase this thing. So we rigged a deal up that I would, I would wire the money. And as soon as I wired the money, I would see that through the transportation company that I already got on the phone and talked to them also, that it would be in transit towards me. So as soon as I wired, I could see that it was, it was in transit towards me. So after about a week or so, when it didn't show up, I got really concerned. I called this guy. and was like, hey, it's supposed to be coming. Um, well, go ahead and send me the rest of the money, the, net, the other $2,500. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not sending you anymore. Our deal was when it got here, I'd send you the rest. Well, lo and behold, it was all a scam. This is before I really knew how to Google about the time that this guy was acting like he was going to sue me for not sending the next $2,500, I Googled Polaris Razor ATV scam. And don't you know, it was exactly the way it had happened to me. <laughs> like, there just must have been like 400 people. Exactly what happened. Yes, and here's what they'll do. They'll put up a fake, fake uh, trucking company. And they'll give you a fake tracking number. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wanted it so bad. I didn't Google. I didn't ask a friend. I didn't phone a friend. I didn't do anything. I just got sucked in. And I didn't even look at my past experiences. We should know better. This is not the first time. I've been tricked before. I have turned my watcher on before where I just said, no matter what, I'm going to get it. Anybody ever done that before? No matter what, I'm making that mine. No matter what, I'm going to do it. You know what that is? Stupidity. <laughs> know what the Bible calls it? Let me show you. Proverbs 28, 26 says this. He who trusts in his own heart is a what? Fool. Say it like I do. Fool. He who trusts in his own heart is a what? Fool. Fool. That's so awesome to say it like that. My dad used to say, son, you can't say that to people. But the Bible says it, dad. But it doesn't say it to anybody else. It says it to me. It says it to us. And here's the thing. We don't have a mean, angry, heavenly father who wants to hurt us. What did he send Jesus for? To save us. To protect us. See, we have a heavenly father who loves to help us who wants to protect us. And he talks very strongly to us and says, he who trusts in his own heart, because I live in a, in a state of self-deception at times. Right? Don't you? 
If you would be honest with yourself, you oftentimes are being self-deceived. I can deceive myself and talk myself into pretty much anything. That's why i got to have a verse. That's why i got to allow God who loves me to remind me to ask the question, what's the wise thing to do? It may not be right. It may not be wrong. But in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, for Jeff Murphy, what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing for you? He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Say the rest of it with me. Say the rest. But he who walks wisely will be what? Delivered. Say it again. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But he who walks wisely will be delivered. Gosh. Think of the money that you would have saved. Think of the, think of the dates that you would have said no to up front. Think of the times where, where the decision was, was hairy and scary and dicey. If in the moment you would have said, but it's not right, it's not wrong, but what's the wise thing for me? What's the wise thing to do? You see, we have a God who did die for our salvation. And wow, that whole free gift of love and grace, buying my junk, wow. But here's the flip side. He didn't just buy your junk to take it away from you. He bought your junk so you could leverage it to make better decisions in the future. You could, he would redeem your junk, your past mistakes, and use it to help somebody else. You see, some of you all have some amazing stories. They're jacked up, I know, I love it. Our church is beautifully messy. In an incredible way, so much so that God wants to use your junk for somebody else's forever, forever, for salvation, for eternity, to help them through right now. Some of you are the best, wisest people on the planet, and God wants to take all of us and help us and show us his love, show us his mercy, and protect us in the future as we make decisions. Let's pray. God, I love you. And Jesus, we are so very grateful that you gave us your salvation. It is so rich. It is so free. God, I pray for every man, woman, student, and child here today. And I ask God, on the cusp of the daily decisions of life, in the ones that would so define us, would you be the still small voice that would echo in our hearts and our minds and remind us of that verse? He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will put that in our hearts. Allow each of us to reroute the stories perhaps that we've been writing. Whether care I could care less or carelessness. God, would you allow each of us to move forward and growing closer to you and being the kind of story that you could use to help others. Jesus, I thank you for loving us more than we deserve. Thank you for your word, your scripture today. Thank you for its power. Thank you for its truth. 
I pray that it would live inside of each of us from this day forward. Transform us, God. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. It's been good to be with you this week. And last week, I'll tell you something funny that happened as our guys come forward. This last week, I got a text message from another local pastor. And he said, he said, he addresses me as Pastor Jeff. I don't know why he does that because we never talk that way with each other. Pastor Jeff, I heard, I don't know if it was through a church member of ours or what, I heard that you went away on vacation and you never came back. And I just want you to know I love you, brother. But if we need, if you need to talk, we can talk. I hope everything's okay. And I'm like, I just wanted you to know I'm back, brother. It's all good. I thought that was kind of funny. So if you weren't here last week, I've been back for a couple weeks now. What a warm reception being back in our church family. I love our church family. Our guys are for, we're going to take an offering. Let me just say this to you. I shared this last hour. God is doing cool stuff in our church. Really, really is. I don't know of many churches out there that can claim that 54% of people in their church were not Christians prior to coming to this church, to their church. But that's what's happened here. And out of the 54%, 45% have made Jesus leader and forgiver of their lives. I don't know about you, but that's something I'm willing to invest in. I'm willing to invest in people's forevers. And I want to say thank you so much to our church. You provided uh, in my absence all summer long. Um, we've done amazing things all summer, and I want to say thank you. But I want to challenge you real quick. If you're here this morning and you, you're, 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 you've been coming for a while, I want to encourage you. If this is a place where God is tugging on your heartstrings to plug in, I want to encourage you and say, we need what you got. We need your stuff. We need your finances. Not in a way that we need you, but I'm telling you what, you need this. You need this in such a way that God would keep your heart open and less dependent on you and more dependent on Him. My hope and my prayer is if as you plug into this church, God would help you be more free in your stuff and more trusting in Him because He is the God who gives it all to us anyway. So I want to encourage you, if this is where you want to plug in, plug in with us and let's make a difference together if you're a guest today you just be our guest and if you're someone here this morning that you you're struggling personally and finances are tight lights will dim in just a moment we'll sing a song you take whatever you need out of the bucket let me pray for us god use this stuff to change somebody else's forever god use this church to affect our city for you so that every man woman and child would find their way back to you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.